Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be understood as or considered a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Adam Childers, here with the podcast known as Briefly Legal, brought to you by the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. Well, I'm excited to be here, as always, in the uh, Crow and Dunleavy studios here in the Crow's Nest. Today, we're going to be having someone on uh, that is a friend of the firm. She's actually at our Tulsa location right now, but her name is Liz Brolick. She brings more than 20 years of experience in staffing and recruiting, and she's just the perfect guest to talk about today's topic, which is how to attract and retain employees during a labor shortage. So it's uh, it's a dense topic, one that uh, is worthy of some unpacking. Liz, say hello to everybody. Hi, everybody. Thanks, Adam, for having me. Happy to be here. You bet. I'm excited to have you here. I, a source expert is exactly what we need. We are seeing some pretty unprecedented uh, numbers in terms of the inability of companies to attract and maintain the employee levels that they need, and then to retain them once you get them into the uh, onto the workplace. And, and we know that you bring a wealth of experience in that area, so we thought uh, you'd be a perfect person to talk about this topic. In fact, I should mention that this is all really a development, a brainchild of yours. You were one of the attendees at this year's Labor and Employment Seminar put on by Crone Dunleavy, And uh, we solicited opinions from the group. Hey, what are the hot topics? What are things that people are talking about? And you not only pinpointed this as a hot topic, but even said, you know what? I heard Adam talking about uh, that podcast. Maybe he should have me on and we can talk about it. That's just the kind of audience engagement that we love here at Briefly Legal. Um, but uh, Liz is more than just the, the person that uh, is able to uh, come up with uh, great ideas on, on short notice. As I mentioned, she also brings with her more than 20 years of experience in staffing and recruiting, and she's currently the general manager for pro recruiters, so she's got a lot of experience. Not only does she have experience in the topic of today's discussion, but she's also very involved in her community. She's an active volunteer in the Tulsa community through the Junior League of Tulsa, as well as Leadership Tulsa, and she currently serves as the board secretary for the YWCA of Tulsa. And this is an impressive uh, thing to put on your resume. Liz has been honored not once, but twice as one of Oklahoma's most admired CEOs. Very impressive indeed. So thanks again, Liz, for uh, attending the seminar and, and giving us your feedback, but more importantly, being here to talk to us today about this topic. So let's let's talk just for a second. You know, when we talk about the shortage of employees, a lot of focus has been put on hospitality industry, restaurants, hotels, but really it's it's a nationwide issue. Uh, and I'm assuming that it's hit Oklahoma as it's hit other jurisdictions too. Absolutely. There is a definitely a big talent shortage. And, you know, it's crazy. We've got unemployment numbers hovering below 3%. And so there are definitely more jobs available than people to go to them. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you raised that issue. I, we, you and I were talking in the lead up to the show that Tulsa is at a historic low, 2.9%, I think, on its unemployment rate. And so in some ways, 
what we're seeing here is a, a true crisis in some places and other places, a crisis of perception. And what happens, I think, as a result is both sides, employer and employee, kind of harden in their stances. Is that a fair characterization of what you're seeing? Absolutely. I think that's happening uh, specifically here in Oklahoma, for sure. Well, knowing that that's the case, then, uh, you know, the obvious question on everyone's minds is, you know, Adam, stop telling me about the problems. Start telling me about the solutions. Well, that's why we brought Liz on the show, because we wanted to talk about some of those solutions. So we're going to we're going to kind of focus on three big areas, and that's uh, money and flexibility. And then finally, investing in your people. Let's start with the big one. It's the elephant in the room, right? It's probably easy to just say, well, if you want to get more employees and pay them more money, and if you want to keep them, then pay them even more money. But it's probably not that simple. So help us out here. What What do you mean when you say you need better focus on the money side of things? Well, obviously, Adam, everybody wants to make as much money as humanly possible for the most part. And employers have budgets. They have budgets for a reason. They can't go out and uh, necessarily pay more than their budget. So, you know, you alluded to earlier the the concept of maybe the talk around the country is uh, playing a factor. And I think that in some cases that that really absolutely hits home here in in Oklahoma that candidates are hearing that it's a candidate's market and that they get to to write their ticket and demand top dollar for positions. And I think. You know, certainly in some scenarios that's true, but the reality is, is employers have budgets and they have budgets for a reason. And, you know, you may think that you want to make 50 or $60,000 a year in that job, but if I can only afford to pay 40, I can only afford to pay 40. Which is where we get that hardening of the stances, right? So one, one side says, I can pick my number and the other side says, I'm going to bunker down and maybe pay less than I used to. And that's a recipe for disaster. Yes, Absolutely. So what are some solutions that you see, practically speaking, in the in the industry in which you work, uh, you know, ways to kind of coax the two sides to, to get to a better place? Right. I think one of the easiest things for employers to do is take a good, hard look at what they require of the position. You know, does this $40,000 a year position really, truly require a bachelor's degree or more? Um, does it really, truly require 10, 15 years of experience? Because as an employer, if you really can't go above your, say, $40,000 a year salary, then an easier way to stay at that salary level is to reduce your requirements for the position. Yeah, and that that involves a, an honest review of what the job really entails and and what your expectations are, which you know really is frankly good to be doing just from a human resources auditing position. But it sounds like it does wonders as well in this sphere. What what about the fact that you know there's always kind of been a traditional notion that you shouldn't talk in the workplace about how much money that you make. Are you seeing a change in that? And and if so, how can employers react to that change? Uh, yeah, absolutely. This is this is the big one. You know, gone are the days where nobody needed to know what your salary was, but you know, you and your spouse, it is um, something that people are are talking about more and more openly with their peers. And employers need to understand that, you know, that's just kind of how it is now. You know, I was brought up in the, in the era and I'm of the age where I, you weren't supposed to talk about it. And it was a secret. And I think that too. 
that new generations are saying, why is it a secret? And, and I don't think there's a good answer to that. I think the answer has always been, well, it's always been a secret. <laughs> um, and so I, I, you know, I think that people are pushing back on that and wanting to know uh, more transparency about, you know, how much money could they make in this position as they get tenure. Yeah. And, that, and that's a big change. That's, that's a sea change for some employers, but I'm hearing you say that if you don't get with the times and make sure that, you know, say a millennial coming into the job market isn't satisfied that they know what the ceiling is, then um, you might lose them right out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then um, any other tips when talking about the the money side of things, anything else employers can have in the toolkit? Um, I think just being transparent about what the offerings are, what the possibilities are for your future. You know, I, I don't think companies anymore are, offering the, oh, every year you get a 3% raise. That's not really the case anymore. Raises are really much more performance related. So I think making sure that, you know, from the get-go, your team knows what they need to do to get that performance. Yeah. Um, and what about what about benefits? Do, do benefits still play a role in enticing people to come on board and stay? Or, or is that a outdated method as well? You know, I think a lot of people are really concerned about what their benefits look like and what their benefits cost. Certainly not every everyone cares, but uh, for those that do, the more that an employer covers as far as what the cost to me as an employee is, the better. Everybody loves a 401k. And if you have any sort of matching at all, I mean, that's free money that that a lot of people are, are going to find uh, very appealing. And, and you might be able to use those methods in lieu of hard dollars that chip away at your at your budget, but might still catch the attention of a, a, a would-be employee. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so that that rounds out our, our first bucket, the money. But let's let's talk next about flexibility. This, I'm assuming, is a big one. Um, COVID, if anything, is, has turned the employment world upside down when it comes to what our expectations are about what we can do, where we have to be, when we do it, what time we do it. So talk to us about that. Uh, you know, what are you seeing needs to be done in order to capture the attention of those that have lived a different type of workspace for the last 18 months or so? Yeah, candidates are coming to me saying that, you know, where I work now is is insisting that I go back full-time Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., I've been doing my job for the last 18 months or so from home and, and don't see any reason to have to go back full time. So, you know, I, I want to find something that is remote or offers some sort of remote flexibility. I think this too harkens to the, well, why, why do we have to work Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m.? Why did, why did the books need to be, you know, accounted for during that time? And, and I think the answer is, well, because that's how we've always done it. And um, yeah, it's funny how the answer to so many of these questions sound like things our parents told us because they told right. you so, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think people are just pushing back on that now. And there's no reason there's, there are a lot of jobs that you just don't have to do anymore in an office between the hours of eight and five. You know, your accountant can balance the debits and credits just as well at seven o'clock at night as she could at two in the afternoon. And so as long as the work is getting done uh, and the quality remains, it, it really shouldn't matter as much anymore where, when, and how. 
what do you say to those employers who are worried about, well, how do I keep track of their output? How, how do I know that they're doing the job and not just sitting in their jammies, eating bonbons and watching Netflix? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen a video where somebody actually hooked their mouse up to an oscillating fan because uh-huh. their their employer tracked mouse movement. And, you know, my response, I mean, obviously it's hilarious and a little bit sad, <laughs> but um, if that's all I have to do over the course of eight hours is move my mouse around a little bit, then that job probably doesn't really need to exist. Every job, no matter what the function is, from you know very entry level positions all the way up to the C suite, there's got to be some some sort of work product or output that is required of the position. So, I think employers and employees can work together to figure out what those what you know is it a target is it a metric you know salespeople are are sales positions right they're known for having metrics. I think that you can you can put those in in most positions and come up with some sort of agreeable standard for this means you're doing your job yeah. and you're doing it well. Sounds like the dawn of you know key performance indicators and maybe the death of micromanagement by a supervisor kind of working from workstation to workstation. Yeah, I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, then uh, now that we've talked about flexibility, let's close it out then with the one that is probably the hardest to define, but maybe the most important of the bunch. And that's, you know, investment in your people. Talk to us about what some of those things are uh, when it comes to investment in people that you encourage companies to think about. Yeah, I think this goes beyond the monetary aspect of a salary and a paycheck. I think that companies that are are doing a good job of keeping and retaining their employees. They are, you know, they're really taking time to invest in them as human beings. You know, you're not just accountant number 374. You have a name and you have a family and you have interests outside of the office. And I think that uh, companies that are taking those kinds of considerations into account are going to do better in the long run in retaining employees because they're creating 10, 15 years ago, the buzzword was, oh, we're like a family here. Well, like I I have joked in the past, yeah, it's a family here, super dysfunctional, super crazy. (laughs) Like, you know, there's a black sheep somewhere. All the hallmarks. Yeah. 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 Uh, But I, but I think that when you, when you do bring in some of the humanity into people and, and care about what they're doing, whether it's offering, you know, a cooking class at lunchtime or sending them, you know, sending them to school to get additional degrees or, or additional knowledge. Um, so, so the days of the gold watch winning the day are over. Tell us about in our pre-show, you mentioned that you'd even had a, a Halloween uh, get together, low cost, but high fun. Yeah. Um, we used to do a Halloween pumpkin decorating contest. And the rule was that the pumpkin had to be decorated during the the one hour um, that everybody got into the conference room together to decorate. And, you know, those are the kinds of situations where you let your hair down a little bit, you start talking about life beyond the office. And, you know, for 20 or 30 bucks, you, you really uh, get to know your team and the people in your, in your office a lot better. And, create some memories, right, of, of people's either amazing artistic ability or, or in my case, lack thereof. Lack thereof. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, it, it, sometimes the small gestures are as important as, you know, the big bucks on the paycheck. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was thinking to myself as you were talking, you know, some of my favorite memories here at the firm 
um, of course, are centered around cases and victories and hard work. But oftentimes it has to do with, uh, you know, a costume contest or a United Way dunk uh, booth that we had or, or or something where we were really, like you say, investing in one another. And so it's a good reminder that when you're trying to bring employees in the door and just as importantly, make sure they want to stay there once they're through those doors, um, having those kind of moments really, really matter. Well, I think that that is a, a wonderful package of solutions. Uh, obviously, it's not a one size fits all, you know, scenario. And I'm sure that in your day to day work, Liz, that, you know, you, you tailor solutions that try to get, you know, employee and employer on the same page. So if I haven't said it already, I should mention it now that, you know, keep in mind Liz and the good work that she does at pro recruiters. And, and I'm sure that um, she can help you, uh, your company or you, the, the candidate out if you have a need. Now, Liz, before we finish things up and, and we say our goodbyes, you are a, a fan of the, of the podcast. We know that because you uh, knew to uh, even ask to, to be a guest on the show. So you are f- probably familiar with Get to Know That Crow. Today, we're going to change it up a little bit. It's Get to Know a Friend of That Crow. So uh, Liz is that friend today that we want to know a little bit more about. Now, I know from visiting with you that you've got a, a beautiful family. You've got uh, Holden, age 16, Harrison, 13, your husband, Peter. And I know that you guys like to watch OU football together. And I'm told that you guys like to have some some good food on hand. If you're going to watch a Sooner victory, I asked who is the the actual uh, the cook in the family. And it, it's not you. Is that right? It is not me. All that credit goes to my husband, Peter. OK, so let's say it's game day and we're rooting for a Sooner victory. And you want that one meal that he, that he puts together that really just does it right. What will uh, Chef Peter be putting on the table that night? Yeah, we are we are going to have the uh, Brolic family hibachi and get the onion volcano and fried rice and and all the fixings. So just oh, like right. um, Benny Hanna. I was going to say I've only seen this in uh, in in restaurants and uh, you know anytime somebody's setting something on fire on purpose <laughs> and it's a good thing, then you know that they are truly good in their craft. So congrats, Peter, on uh, on that skill set. And congrats to you for uh, what sounds like a very fun family and for all the involvement you have in the community as well. In closing, Liz, just want to say thanks so much, uh, you know, for attending our labor and employment seminar. Thank you for pitching this idea to us. We know that this conversation is going to be really helpful and a a great benefit to many of our human resources and recruitment professionals out there and all of our listening audience in the business community as we all progress forward through these really interesting times and roll through these challenges that we're seeing in the workforce, whether it's a real or perceived shortage of uh, labor here in Oklahoma. It's high time that you take better solutions to the problem. And uh, Liz has got those solutions in spades. So we're going to call it a day. And remember, for all of our listeners, send us your ideas. Look, Liz did and see how that turned out. And you can send them to us at briefillegal at crowdunlevy.com. And don't forget to follow this podcast on your streaming service of choice, as well as any of the firm's social media pages, and leave us your comments or a review. We hope that you have been enjoying the show and we can't wait to have you back for more. Enjoy the rest of your week, everyone. This is your host, Adam Childers, and we'll meet you here again, same time, same place, for Briefly Legal.